in the year 2000, 16 years ago now, I said to Hannah, look, I will take you anywhere this summer that you want to go that American Airlines flies because we have so many frequent flyer miles, we can go anywhere you want to go. So I thought maybe Tahiti or some similar place. And Hannah said, I think I'm ready to research where my parents come from because we knew that she had grown up in Kamun and we had been there several times, but she didn't know where her parents came from. So we took a month, went to Europe, visited the places where her parents were born, we had friends from Phoenix with us who wanted to spend a week with us in Europe, and they wanted to go to Hannah's hometown. So we planned to spend one night in Gumun, which we did one night. We got there, three o'clock in the afternoon, on the Treibonestrasse, the main road through Gumun, where Hannah used to live. There's some wonderful Italian ice cream cafes there. We were having an Italian ice cream. And suddenly a woman came up who had met us eight years ago, Maria, and said, Hannah, I met you in the reunion for Jewish survivors eight years ago. I wanted to write to you. I lost your address. Can you come for coffee and cake? This is a real German thing, coffee and kuchen. You have to learn that when you live in Germany like we do half of our lives. It just turns out that Maria's parents lived here and Hannah's parents lived here. So Maria's parents were the neighbors to Hannah's parents the 30s. And when we went back for this reunion, Maria's mother invited us for supper. We went to supper with them. She talked to us about what it was like, about Hannah's parents, what it was like when the Americans came through. Gumun was 80% destroyed in World War II. And so Maria is the next generation. She wanted to invite us for coffee and cooking. So we sat there with Maria. And halfway through the talk with Maria and her husband, Maria looked at Hannah and said, Hannah, I'm sitting here at my table. I'm looking out the window. That house next door is actually your house. I wonder if we went to the Rathaus and looked at the deed. Whose name is on that deed after your father's name? And I wonder how they got that house. So Hannah, after all the evil that was done to you here, warum kommst du zurück? Why do you come back? Now, all of a sudden, here is a woman from Gmund. Her parents were from Gumun. Her grandparents were from Gumun. Her great-parents were from Gumun. They know everything. And she's asking Hannah, after all the evil that was done, why do you come back? And so Hannah just shared what she shared this morning. You know, Maria, I grew up with bitterness and hatred toward Germany and Germans, and I couldn't get rid of it. And I came to Jesus, and he gave me the power to begin to learn how to forgive. And I'm here today because there's a great love in my heart for Germany and Germans. And Maria says, Ich denke, wir sollen du zueinander sagen. I think we should say du to each other. You know, in the German language, there's a formal word for you and a familiar word for you. And you use the familiar with family and close friends. So this was the beginning. This wasn't our plan. This wasn't as a result of a strategic planning process. And we began to meet other people. Hannah told about Lisbeth, who was the living maid. Willy Kruf, who was 11 years old when Hannah was born, lived across the street. We began to meet people. And that summer, I fe we felt the Lord saying to us, come back next summer and spend a month in Gmun. So we came back the next summer, went to all the places that were painful for Hannah, the schoolyard you've heard her talk about, where her family home was, the Jewish cemetery, where the synagogue had stood. In each of those places, we prayed. And we said, Jesus, you know the evil that happened here 
we invite you now to come in your presence, in your grace, in your power. We pray that you will come in forgiveness. We pray that you will come in cleansing. We pray that you will come in healing. And the more we prayed, the more Hannah, I was with her, but she was praying for blessing. God, I pray that you will bless Gamun. I pray that you will heal the people who live here. I pray that you'll bless the region of the Eiffel. And that summer, the Lord spoke to us, come back next summer with intercessors. So we came back the next summer, 18 intercessors, and began to pray for Gmund and pray for the Eiffel and pray for blessing and pray for cleansing and pray for renewal. Five summers of intercession. And God said to us at the end of the fifth summer, spoke to Hannah through the words of God to Jacob in Genesis 31, return to the land of your father and I will be with you. And since then, we've lived half of our lives here, half of our lives in Germany. And people ask, how do you carry out a ministry of reconciliation? Well, you just simply are there and you do what the Holy Spirit tells you to do. And God gives you relationship with Germans. And Germans, it blows their minds that a Holocaust survivor could come back, not in bitterness, but with a message that Jesus changes people. He forgives people. He transforms people who allow him to do it. And this ministry has continued, and it continues to grow. You saw Hannah talking about going to Poland. Now this ministry of reconciliation is moving far beyond the Eiffel, even far beyond Germany. It's not just a, rec a ministry of reconciliation between Jew and German or Jew and Gentile. It's now spreading into a ministry of reconciliation between different parts of the body of Christ. Have you noticed that the body of Christ is divided? Anybody aware of that? Anybody aware that Jesus prayed that his followers would be one? Jesus' desire, Jesus' prayer to the Father is that he could return to a church that was mature and healed and united. Only God can do that. It's only appropriate that we say something this morning before we close on the issue of forgiveness. How can I learn how to forgive? Because often when people hear about forgiveness, it triggers personal things within us. It doesn't take long often to talk about forgiveness when at least one individual in our own lives comes to mind and offers them pain. Sometimes we're like Hannah, we wish we could forgive, but we're unable to forgive. So just a few thoughts, a few principles, learning how to forgive. How can I learn how to forgive? Point number one, forgiveness never denies or minimizes the wrong. Forgiveness speaks the truth in love. So this is what of course, particularly Jewish people, they get very angry with Hannah when they hear about her forgiving. One Jewish person wrote on Amazon.com as a response to her book, how dare you forgive, you are dishonoring your parents, you are walking on the graves of your parents by forgiving. Filled with bitterness and hatred, I will never forgive. That's a misunderstanding of forgiveness. It's an understanding that forgiveness somehow minimizes the wrong or pretends that it wasn't wrong at all, it wasn't really so bad. Can you imagine, Hannah? Her parents were taken after all the 
contempt and despising that they experienced, stripped naked, put in the back of a gray truck, door was bolted, the gas was turned on, the truck was driven 20 minutes into the forest with other 50 other Jews in the back of the truck. And by the time it was in the forest, it all had been gassed. And the doors were open, and the bodies were dumped in a common grave. Now, do you think it would be appropriate to say, well, it wasn't really so bad? This was horrible. There, we don't have words to describe how horrible that is. So forgiveness never minimizes the wrong. It never denies the wrong. It never minimizes the wrong. Forgiveness takes place in the full light of truth. Point number two. When I forgive... I accept God's role and my role. So who am I? I'm a human being. I'm not God. I'm a human being created by God, and my Father, my Creator, gave me a certain role in life, and He has His role. I have my role. He has His role. God's role is to judge. That's not my role. And when I refuse to forgive, I am setting myself up as judge. But that's not my role. That's God's role. So what does Hannah do with the indescribable evil that was done to her parents and those who did it? What does she do? She turns to the God of Israel and says, God, you said that you're righteous. You said that you're all-powerful. You said that you're holy. Look at what happened. I'm turning this over to you. I'm turning this over to you. So forgiveness is turning the people who have wronged us over to God and say, okay, Lord, it's over to you now. Get them. Get them, Lord. But then we have to be ready. Sometimes God responds to our enemy with greater mercy than we would. And then we get mad at God because he's not giving them what we think they need to have. So forgiveness is I take my role I allow God to have his role. What is my role? My role is to respond to being wronged in ways that heal. So here's what we've got. God created humanity with each of us with the responsibility for our own choices. I'm not responsible for your choices. You're responsible for your choices. What am I responsible for? I'm responsible for my choices. And part of my choices are, how am I going to respond to your choices? So if you choose to wrong me, I'm not in control of that. But what I am in control is how am I going to respond? So forgiveness is really a question, how am I going to respond to the evil that's been done to me? I can respond in ways that further wound me. Namely, bitterness, hatred, retaliation. I can respond that way. That will only further wound me. Or I can choose to respond in ways that heal. That heal me and that heal others. Now, how do I learn how to respond that way? Well, I learned that from Jesus. This is what discipleship is all about. You know, one of the great sadnesses is that so many people who self-identify as Christians have such an inadequate understanding of what discipleship is. Discipleship is signing up to be taught by the greatest teacher that ever lived how to live life. This is what Jesus teaches, how to live life. 
So Jesus makes it very clear. Sins of violence, murder, anger, contempt, bitterness, further wounds us. They wound us. So how do I learn how to respond to wrong that was done to me? I become a disciple of Jesus, and I let him teach me how to respond. Point number three, all of us have suffered wrong. It's not just Hannah that's been wronged. We've all been wronged. How can that be? Have you ever noticed that humanity is broken? Humanity is broken. We're all broken, by the way. We have rebelled against God. We have separated ourselves from the relationship for which we were created to have throughout all of our lives, our relationship with our Father. We've gone our own way. We thought we knew better. We decided we would go our own way and distance ourselves from him. That brought great damage. So the human being is not only guilty, the human being is damaged. Now, in a world of damaged people, people get wronged. Wounded people wound people. And the world is filled with wounded people. So we all have been wronged. Uh, Next point. God has made each of us responsible for our own decisions. My enemy is responsible for decisions he or she made to wrong me. I am responsible for how I'm going to respond to the decisions my enemy has made. That's point number four. By the way, I'm going to have to, because of time, go through this quickly But if you go to the website of Eiffel Fellowship and you go to that website and look under, it's right there, just scroll down a little bit, under Maturing Toward Holiness in the Inner Life. That's a new book that hasn't yet been published, but it's all on the website. There's a whole chapter in that on learning how to forgive. That's a book that's written in tweets. Have you ever read a book that's written in tweets? Well, if you're interested, go to EiffelFellowship.com. Go to Maturing Toward Holiness in the Inner Life. It's right there. And go to the chapter on learning how to forgive and read a chapter on tweets. I think it's 30 tweets. Help you to get what we're talking about here. Okay, point number five. Learning how to respond correctly is a crucial component of my maturing. You see, to react with anger, bitterness, retaliation is actually the response of the child. Are you in touch with this? So as we mature, as we mature as people, there are various components of our lives. So we mature in this area, we mature in this area, but all of a sudden, here's another, here's an area of our lives. We're not maturing in that area. We're not growing up. So we're growing up here, growing up, but here we're blocked. So the blocking of my maturity shows wounding that is unhealed. The whole issue of responding with bitterness and anger and hatred and resentment and retaliation and contempt, that's all the reactions of the child. So as I learn to respond in healthy ways, I am maturing as a human being. By the way, that's a function of discipleship to Jesus. Jesus teaches us how to be whole people, healed people. Healing is a crucial part of discipleship because wounding blocks us. Jesus teaches us the way of healing that frees us to mature 
as healthy, balanced people. Next point. My well-being cannot depend on somebody else's choices. This is codependency. My well-being cannot depend on your choices. Why? I'm not in control of your choices. So if I think my well-being is dependent on your choices, all of a sudden my well-being is out of my control. I, I can't control that. My well-being depends on my choices. So I have to learn how to respond to your bad choices in ways that are healing and redemptive. How do I learn that? Jesus teaches me how. Next point. As a disciple of Jesus, I am never a victim. Did you notice that Hannah is actually not a victim? There was a time when she was a victim, but she's not a victim. How can it be that a disciple of Jesus is never a victim? Because we have a heavenly father. We have a heavenly father. Do you know him? Do you have a relationship with him? Or is he just someone that we talk about? I have a heavenly father who is with me, who loves me. I can trust him. He will protect me. He will give me wisdom. He will provide for me. He will heal me. He will comfort me. He's there. I have a father. And if I have a father like that, I'm never a victim. He's caring for me. And whatever has happened to me, he has allowed for reasons that only he understands. But I can trust him in that to bring redemption out of what has happened to me. Next point. This is really an important point. Feeling wronged is not the same thing as being wronged. Let me say that again. Feeling wronged is not always the same thing as being wronged. What role did my own words and actions and behavior play in the pain that I've experienced? I have been in Christian ministry since I was 21. I'm now 75. Have you ever noticed that sometimes Christian ministry can be really painful? I went through the most incredible period of pain in Christian ministry where I felt absolutely betrayed by the people that I was closest to. I felt so much pain and so much anger, and I, felt, I just felt betrayed. Now, that was what, 35 years ago. Now that I'm looking back on that, I see it very differently, very differently. Was I wronged? I leave that to God. I think probably so. But was I a part of it by my anger, by the things I said, by the attitudes that I had? Yes, I contributed to the circumstances that caused me. So when it happened, I just felt betrayed. Have you ever heard Jesus say, don't focus on the speck in your brother's eye, work on the beam that's in your own eye? Sometimes when the beam that's in our own eye gets removed, we see things in a different way. So feeling wronged, be careful with that. Be careful with feeling wronged. Lord, give me your perspective on it all. Embracing anger, bitterness, hatred only wounds me further. It just wounds me further. I am hurt more by my own wrong responses than by anything my enemy has done to me. How tragic. I can be my own worst enemy. I can wound myself. Next point. On the cross, Jesus made provision 
So when Jesus hung on the cross, he made provision for what? First of all, my guilt to be removed. Praise God he did that because I am indeed guilty. But it doesn't stop there. That's not the only thing that he did on the cross. Jesus made provision for my wounds to be healed. Jesus made provision for the power of sin in my behavior to be broken. So brothers and sisters, sin has power when we give it power. Sin has power when we've learned it year after year after year and it's become established within us. But Jesus on the cross made provision for that power to be broken. But the grace that is poured out on the cross must be accessed. We have to access that grace. How do we do that? By faith, but also by obedience. By obedience. Biblical faith is expressed by obedience. So be careful in vocabulary about faith that does not include the understanding that biblical faith is expressed by obedience. And as I trust Jesus and learn to walk in obedience to him, my inner life is opened up to the power of the living Christ and the Holy Spirit. And increasingly, the power of sinful behavior within me is broken. This is the process of discipleship. The process of discipleship is the forming of Jesus in the inner life. We are with him to learn from him how to be like him. The Christian life is about the person I am becoming. There's no technique how to forgive. Forgiveness is a function of the kind of person who forgives. What is the kind of person who forgives? A person like Jesus. That's the kind of person Jesus is. He's the kind of person who forgives. He was hanging on the cross. People were walking in front of the cross, jeering at him, mocking him. And he prayed, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Forgive them, Father. Bitterness reveals that I have been inadequately loved. What is our greatest need? To be loved. We need to be loved. I need to be loved. You need to be loved. And we need a lot of love. You know, I've been married to Hannah for 44 years. She's really good at loving me. But she hasn't got enough love to meet my need. My need is too great. Just like I don't have enough love to meet her need. My need to be loved is so huge that only God can meet that need. But God can meet it overflowing in spades, rivers of living water, and need to be loved. Bitterness shows that I have been inadequately loved, and every one of us have been inadequately loved. That's why the answer to learning how to forgive is a relationship with Jesus. Because in relationship with Jesus, we experience a love that is so overflowing and so awesome and so healing as it becomes indescribable. Okay, we're through now. Perhaps for now, I cannot forgive. I wonder if you're thinking of someone and you're thinking, you know, I know I should forgive. I know I want to give, but I can't. 
I don't have the capacity to forgive. So let me say this to you. It's okay. God still loves you. Jesus still loves you. If I can't forgive, let me tell the truth. I can't forgive. I can't forgive. But there's one thing I can do. I can choose to allow Jesus to teach me how to become the kind of person who forgives. I can choose that. It's a process. But Jesus has the power to transform me. When I choose to become Jesus' disciple, trusting him to teach me how to forgive, I choose my own healing. Anybody want to be healed? Anybody want to be whole? Anybody want to grow up? Anybody want to enter into the fullness of your humanity? The way is Jesus. He is the way. In discipleship with him, allowing him to teach us how to live, allowing the Holy Spirit to have his way in our lives, we become the kind of people who forgive, the kind of people who can live in reconciliation with our enemies, and the kind of people who can become his ambassadors on earth. Let's close in prayer. I think before we close, it would be good just to give a moment. Jesus is here. Say something to him. Lord Jesus, thank you for coming for us. Thank you for offering yourself to us in relationship. Teach us your way, Lord, that we might enter in all fullness into our humanity. Teach us how to forgive our enemies, how to respond to life in ways that are healthy and redemptive. Make yourself known on this earth, we pray, our Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.